I'm Hannah Trump, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Powbox, where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. Powbox publishes a report analyzing HIPAA breaches affecting more than 500 people as reported to the HHS. Under the High Tech Act, the HHS secretary is required to post these breaches to the breach notification portal publicly, or what most people in the industry call the HHS Fall of Shame. The latest edition of the published HIPAA breach report analyzes data breaches reported in December 2021. Our top takeaways include almost 2 million individuals affected by 20 network server breaches and 10 breaches via email affecting over 500,000 people. When we compare 2021's data to December data of previous years, 2021 had the highest number of network server breaches. 4.5 million people have been breached via a network server and almost 3 million people have been breached via email in the last five December months. Asia Anderson, Powbox Customer Success Manager, joins me again today to discuss the latest report, trends that she's observed over the last month, and the ongoing fight against bad actors in healthcare. Hi, Asia. Thanks so much for joining me on the first episode of the year of the Hypocritical Podcast. How are you? I am great. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. New cybersecurity breaches for us to talk about. But before we talk about 2022, let's give a little wrap-up of 2021. The most recent edition of the HIPAA breach report was published recently that went over the December 2021 breaches. Will you go ahead and give us just some interesting tidbits from that report? Sure. Well, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, um, network servers were um, the the number one threat vector and and the uh, space that targeted the most folks, um, most people affected. There were two incidences that had the um, highest number of people affected. One was the Oregon Anesthesiology Group. They had... 750,500 patients. There you go. There it is. Um, As well as 500, more than 500 past and current employees were affected uh, and bad actors gained access to their systems through a vulnerability in a third-party platform. And then there was uh, Texas ENT specialists. They had the second largest breach uh, with over 500,000 people affected. And, you know, December, over the last five years, December is the month that we see the most breaches. Um, We saw the most network server breaches. Uh, There were 20 of them. And um, just the most breaches historically in that month. Obviously, we've talked about this before. Holiday season is a very vulnerable time. You know, people are checked out because they're, they're ready to go on break. But then, you know, we're also entering the third year of a pandemic. People are tired. They're not paying attention. And work from home is never going away. Yeah. um, And people are a lot more vulnerable in the remote environment. Um, So none of this is surprising. But yeah, go ahead. Of course, it's not surprising. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. So right now, when I ask you to give me the highlights or I guess the lowlights of 2021, (laughs) uh, we can just cover all of those cybersecurity aspects too. Yeah, there are um, kind of four things that we saw when we looked back at 2021, one of the biggest things being app vulnerability in general. So when I mentioned yeah. um, the Oregon uh, Oregon issue, the, the threat actors got into their system through a third-party platform or app. Um, I think a lot of times we we take the security of third-party platforms for granted. We trust oh, definitely. handle all of that. Um, and, and I, you know, people do try. Um, but there's definitely 
there's more vulnerability in apps. We saw um, Microsoft Power Apps is HIPAA compliant, um, the same as Microsoft Exchange is, but they had multiple zero-day exploits um, over this year. Um, so you want to make sure that uh, your third-party apps have proper security configurations to make sure that data leaks are not going to happen. Exactly. I think zero-day uh, was trending on Twitter a little, a, yeah. little too, a few too many times this year. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and those vulnerabilities lead to provider downtime, which was another big theme of 2021, um, which you can't afford that ever, but particularly during pandemic when we're seeing hospitals having record numbers of folks, um, you know, inpatient and, and also just in the ER in general. Um, so the question that comes up for me is, do you have backups? Do you have, um, you know, do you have an off premise server? Do you have your stuff in the cloud? Do you have physical backups of all your information? Because, um, you know, more than once we saw incidences where organizations like uh, the Maryland Department of Health had to shut down its servers after discovering a breach, which we completely understand why they did that, but that also shut down its website. And that meant that patients couldn't access their health records. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in Ohio, we saw something similar um, with the hospital there, shut down their servers. They spent days canceling and rescheduling appointments. And all throughout that, that time, their patient portal wasn't active. So that led to a lot of confusion on the part of their patients, um, made everything much more difficult, and um, nobody could access their records. Yeah, that reminds me of something that my last guest, um, Dave Ledoux from Innovive Health said that, you know, there are just some things that you can't have backups of. There are some things that you can't have a secondary, you know, electronic medical record system or an email system or something. But the things that you do need backups for, you should have backups. Definitely. Definitely. Um, one of the other themes that we saw in 2021 was IP spoofing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest incidence of this um, was also the largest network server breach of the year. Uh, we talked about this earlier this uh, or last year, rather. It was with Eskenazi Health. Um, it affected 1.5 million people. Um, and through IP spoofing, a hacker pretends to be using a different IP address um, and then is able to disable the network security protections so the IT team can't even detect suspicious activity. Um, you know, that's a really tough one. IP spoofing can be very sophisticated, Certainly. obviously. Yes. Yeah, could you ima- could you imagine like going to your being the director of IT or the VP of IT or the CTO and going to your CEO and all of your patients and your employees and saying, "Oh, we didn't even know this was here." This is why you have to patch yeah. your vulnerabilities and look at your attack surface because of IP spoofing <laughs> and Definitely. hacking and IT incidents. Absolutely. Metro Infectious Disease Consultants was the victim of an email breach that affected over 170,000 individuals where a hacker gained access to employee email accounts, um, probably through use of phishing emails. Which of course, it's always, it's always phishing. It's always phishing. Um, the company was able to secure the email accounts, but it just serves as a reminder that even small healthcare providers can be targets. Um, and I tell customers, you know, once you get to be somewhere between 50 and 150 employees, it's sort of the sweet spot for, um, you know, threat actors coming after you because they know that there's some money there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What can you tell us about just interesting things you've seen in the last month, late December, early January? Well, you mentioned patching your software. Um, That's a great segue (laughs) to 
Um, the log4j vulnerability that was discovered right around the Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was related to, uh, that's, that's Apache software. Um, it's utilized to control um, systems of medical devices and hardware. And that company did a great job in releasing a patch quickly, but um, the implementation of a patch hinges on updating your software. Updating it, yeah. Not yeah, you, just, you have to it. update everything. It's not just it's not just about clicking one button. No, it's, it's not your computer. Mm-hmm. What can you tell uh, me about my favorite topic, which is ransomware? One of the articles that we've published on the blog recently talks about ransomware as a service. Um, that's, so, that's cool. You know, I mean, I has, I'm hesitant to say that's cool, but that's cool. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I guess, cool and it's sort of ironic. Um, of course, where you have software as a service, you can equally have ransomware as a service where folks are developing programs that they then sell to um, other people that want to get into the hacking game. Um, and one of the organizations that I'm keeping an eye on right now is called um, Mespinoza. They're a cyber criminal group that operates a ransomware software called PISA. Um, and they're one of the top 10 global healthcare threat actors. They've been around uh, since 2018. Um, and there have been a lot of sort of warnings for the industry to keep an eye out for activity from them because um, they, they just love going after healthcare. Well, yeah, healthcare is where all of the money is at on the black market. PHI, protected health information, is worth a fortune on the black market uh, because it's more robust than a credit card number. It's someone's social security number and like specific information about them that they might use for government when they are applying for things and so on and so forth. So it's scary that ransomware as a service is something, but I guess it's kind of cool because we're, as humans, we create, uh, we fix a problem, we create a problem. So... Definitely. One of the things that our friend Tony Yusaveda Velez says is you have to stay one step ahead of the threat actor. Um, yes. And so here's an example of um, software as a service having a chance to really catch up um, and get ahead of um, these folks. And think, speaking of catching up and getting ahead, can you go ahead and let us know some of your cybersecurity tips for January? Certainly. Um, I, I've mentioned many of these things before, and I'm going to say them again because they are still just as important. Um, we've, we've gotten on the other side of um, sort of some of the big holidays um, for the year, but you want to be extra vigilant during all of the holidays that come up in the next year and beyond. Um, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, the times where we are feeling tired and ready for a break are the times that threat actors are going to take advantage of us the most. It's where we see the, you know, the, the most incidences always around the holidays. There are so many resources that are out there for you to be able to inform yourself on practices and protocols that you can put in place for your own cybersecurity. Um, Health and Human Services has a new website, which we highly recommend checking out, uh, where they they catalog a lot of those resources. It's for um, healthcare per, uh, particularly, correct? It is, yes. Um, you want to monitor and maintain readiness Make sure that your emergency action plans are up to date and that you have some kind of business continuity plan in place. When we talked about the folks that um, had to, they had to disable their servers and that meant that they had to, you know, that shut down their websites, that shut down their patient portals. That's what we're talking about when we say business continuity. You have to have a plan in place to continue to deliver care when you are dealing with, um, you know, the fallout of a breach. Um, and obviously, you know, tired, stressed staff 
equates to more risk. Um, not that we put the the onus on, you know, your people, but I would say the onus is on the organization to make sure that folks are getting breaks and, and chances to sort of regroup and recoup so that they can come back into the office and be as vigilant as possible. Yes, I would totally agree. And uh. I think that it's also, you know, stress staff. If look at your IT department, look at your cybersecurity department and see what they're saying. What do they need? What can they provide that can help the uh, the entire organization as a whole? Definitely. And, and talk to your support teams because they're the ones that are getting sort of the early warnings from the customers when things start to get weird, you know, they're going to be getting, uh, there'll be a, a spike in tickets. Um, you can kind of analyze the, uh, the themes, you know, what people are writing in about, and that can help inform, um, what the company needs to take a look at. Spoken like a true Um, customer success manager. (laughs) Who spent a lot of time in support. Um, obviously you want to report any incidents, you know, anything weird that you see, um, Sometimes I end up putting in a ticket that turns out to be a false positive, but I would rather have a false positive uh, in front of our engineers than not report, you know, a big incident. Yes, it is much better to email someone and say, hey, I think this email is fishy than to click on something and then your entire company is down for two or three weeks. Definitely. Um, And the, the cornerstone of all this advice is that you develop and execute a solid cybersecurity plan um, and some of the things that, uh, again, we've talked about this before, but the, these are the, the themes that came up overwhelmingly in 2021. And these are the things we're also looking at as we move forward into 2022. Um, employee training and awareness um, with a balanced uh, approach to overall employee mental health and well-being. If you have people that are well-rested, who feel that they are being taken care of, then they're going to be much more... Um, aware and focused on these elements of the job, the things that they have to, you know, they have to serve as um, an alert system, essentially. Like you said, they'll notice when something is weird, like you said earlier. Exactly. Exactly. Unless they're so tired that they just, you know, they're not paying attention in the way they would otherwise. Email encryption, obviously we're a big fan of, um, and two-factor authentication. If you have not implemented two-factor authentication in your organization, this is your reminder. And please ditch the fax machine. (laughs) If you can, like I understand there's like a a very small subset of the population that cannot deviate from the fax machine. But if you can send an email, you can send an e-fax as a PDF. Indeed. And it's 10 times easier and it could be encrypted from end to end. Exactly. Asia, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Hypocritical, and I will see you next month. For more information about the Powbox HIPAA Breach Report or to see any of the data mentioned in this episode, please visit powbox.com slash blog. If you'd like to join me for our next virtual social mixer on January 27th, please email me at marketing at and I will get you registered. Our product innovation is a direct result of feedback our customers bring to these social mixers and directly to our founder CEO, Hawala Grevy. What solution can we build for you? Come to our next mixer to find out. You can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on palbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off.